Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today we have with us Melissa Gamal. She'll be talking with us about mejancés. While many people say the word a bit differently, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, well, no worries. Melissa's got us covered. From what they are to how we can spot this type of music when we're listening to our dance libraries, Melissa gives us some tips and tricks on adding these dynamic pieces of music to our repertoires. There are a couple of mergences in this year's bundle showing their popularity right now in the dance scene, so let's learn more about them here with Melissa. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and with me today is Melissa Gamal. Melissa, welcome back to the podcast. Yay, thank you for having me back. So for our new listeners, give us a little bit of background. Tell us, you know, where, where you're at, what you do, what you love in the dance world. Introduce yourself. Okay, um, so I am Melissa. I am a dancer based out of Toronto, Canada. Um, I right now currently run my online dance school since not much is open um, or the world is still opening up <laughs> a little bit. So I'm still online right now and hoping to move back into in-person classes uh, in the next couple of months. Um, and I have my little dance company uh, that I also run. Um, and I usually travel to teach and perform as well. And that's something I really enjoy doing. Um, and I spend quite a bit of time in Egypt because obviously that's where my focus of study is in the dance. And so I like to be there as much as possible to make sure that I'm always updating my skills and my knowledge base with um, the most current up-to-date information. And I also love hosting big events here in Toronto. Again, haven't done that for a little while now because of the situation uh, that's been happening, but um, hopefully looking forward to doing that again soon. Um, I really like to bring dancers of the culture to Toronto to teach um, their specialties and uh, and just kind of enrich the students here. It's fantastic that you you do spend so much time in Egypt and that you you bring dancers to Toronto as well because that's not everybody can travel to Egypt, right? So it it makes it a little more accessible, like getting instruction that way. Yeah, I really, I really love to do that. And it, it is difficult for some people to find the time or the, the money to travel. Um, and so bringing these dancers in and I, I like to do events that are a little bit more focused and have uh, sort of one or two instructors at a time maximum. I keep the uh, participants, the numbers of the participants not super um, big. Uh, we usually try to cap it around 50 people max um, so that, you know, you're not in a room with a thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> see the front. So, um, and I, I try to have a different focus uh, every year um, with a, a different style of um, either Egyptian or a, a dance from around the uh, Minat region. So yeah, i am uh, got some some plans. I'm kind of cooking up for the next one and hopefully we'll see when things open up again. So yeah. Very <laughs> exciting. And you did, you know, with the lockdowns, can't necessarily do that. You just did Camp Cairo over the summer as well, right? You did that from Egypt. You streamed it all around the world. Yes, yeah. And that was really, really cool. That was my first attempt at sort of a bigger online event, which was really um, interesting. You know, you would think it would be a lot easier, but just as much work really does go into it behind yep. the scenes. 
Um, and that was really exciting because, again, some of my students either can't travel now or maybe just won't be able to travel in the near future. And they really want to study with um, Egyptian dancers and they want to study with who I love to study with. Um, and so I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of pull all of that together um, and and be able to offer something kind of interesting and unique to my students and get them studying with Egyptian dancers. It's fantastic. So for the 2021 bundle, you are going to be putting in a Mejance choreography. So for our listeners who maybe haven't dived into this particular part of their practice yet, let's start with the basics. What is a Mejance? Let's, let's, let's go in here and start picking it apart. Tell people <laughs> more information. Okay. So <laughs> now depending on who you ask, you'll get a, sometimes some different answers on this. The word itself is a bit of a controversial term because some dancers don't use it. Um, and some dancers do, and some dancers pronounce it mergence with an R in there, some pronounce it mejance. <laughs> um, so, and the reason for that is that it, in terms of the sort of history of the dance, it's a relatively newer term. It's been around for 20 to maybe maximum 25 years, I would say. Um, I think the first kind of records we have of the term being used are in the mid or late uh, 90s. Um, and then starting from the 2000s on, we see it really pick up. And basically, the, the term is said to have come from a mispronunciation of another word. Um, everyone assumes that it is a French word. And there are a couple different origin theories on this. I won't get into full details on those. There are some different resources um, that I can send later. Maybe we can link to. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So that people can kind of read on some of the different theories about how the, the term came about. But regardless of how it came about and whether you like the term or not, or whether you use the term or not, it's kind of here to stay at this point in uh, in the dance scene. Um, and basically, the term now is what we use to reference an opening number um, that you use for Egyptian dance or um, Middle Eastern dance, but the term is really more specific to Egyptian styling, um, only because that's where the term kind of originated, uh, as far as we understand it at this point. So, um, so I'll say in, in Egyptian dance, this is the term you would need to know now um, when you're studying an entrance piece of music. And an entrance piece is known to be a piece of music that is created specifically for a dancer. So when we think about the sort of overall um, structure of a show, you know, in a show, we have some pieces of music that are made specifically for us as dancers. And then we have some other pieces that are just classic songs or um, maybe pop songs or other styles of music maybe thrown in that may or may not have been specifically made for dancers. And that makes a big difference in the way that they are composed and the way that we get to dance to them. Uh, obviously music that's made for dancers it means that there's a lot of really good, nitty gritty, awesome, juicy, delicious things in there that we are going to get and that we can interpret um, and and enjoy that we might not necessarily find in some other songs that weren't composed with a dancer in mind. So it's an entrance piece um, specifically composed for a dancer. Usually a specific dancer will have it commissioned and made for them, but then of course, um, other people are using them as well, um, but they are specifically made for dancers to use. So that is the big difference between emergence or an entrance piece compared to some of the other songs you may find in your show. Yeah, it's like we we repurpose these classical Egyptian songs and we shorten them and turn them into like 
dancey versions of the song, but like the song itself wasn't never necessarily intended for the purpose that we now use it for. And yeah. like, right, pop songs are just music to play on the radio. Like we look at it and we're like, oh, this is like a belly dance thing. But like in Egypt, it's just music. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the really nice thing about Mergences. And as a dancer, when you are either dancing to an entrance piece or choreographing um, or just watching the, a dancer do an entrance piece, it's just, like I said, it's just so much kind of richer and fuller because it's usually got all these nice little intricate um, moments. It's got so many rhythm changes and um, style changes within one piece. You know, the kind of original idea of an entrance piece was to set the overall tone for the rest of the show. And so it has an element of, you know, it'll have a little taxim in it. It'll have a nice energetic entrance. It'll have a little folklore in it. It might have a little drum section in it. Um, it'll have all these different elements as sort of like an overview of what's to come in your show. And so it's also perfect for those times when you maybe only have, you know, a five minute or six minute kind of set that you need to do something on stage because it is a great way to to wrap all of that into one and uh, and show off your skills to all of those different elements. It's almost like a little mini show in one song. Yeah. Like instead of having the five part show, you've got one song that kind of does a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in the day, if you if you listen to the older uh, entrance pieces, like from Najwa Fouad, she was one of the first that had um, stuff composed for her. Um, you know, her entrance pieces back then are maybe 12, 14, 15 minute long. I, they're long. They're maybe, I don't even know. I think the longest set I've ever seen from an older recording was like 20 minutes, but I, I'm sure that there were some that were longer. Um, so they used to be a lot longer. And so you had a lot more time to dig into all these elements. Now, of course, you know, everyone's attention spans have gotten a little shorter. Everything is a little bit, you know, quicker and um, you know, we want everything done in a shorter amount of time. So a lot of the entrance pieces now are five, six, seven minutes, eight minutes at kind of at the max. Um, but they did used to be a little bit longer, which was nice because you had a little more time to flesh out all these elements, but still, um, they are a nice kind of bite-sized chunk, um, that you can either add to the beginning of a show or use as sort of a really nice way to present yourself in, uh, on stage. So when we are, we're digging for music, we're listening, we've got all of our songs in our library. How, what are some good tips to look for to find, oh, this is probably meant to be a measure piece. Like this is, has the elements of this. What would you listen for to kind of pick a song for something like this? So there's a couple things. I mean, luckily a lot of stuff is labeled and it's either going to say it's an entrance piece or emergence or sometimes it'll have the name of the dancer in the title. Mm. Um, now that's not always a clue because there's other songs that have, but sometimes it'll be, I'm trying to think of a, an example off the top of my head, but um, that's, that's one kind of little clue that you can look for. But overall, if we're listening to music, the, the older ones and the newer ones tend to have sort of um, like an intro overture kind of thing that happens where there's a bit of a grand kind of bum, ba, da, dum, bum, ba, stuff kind of going on <laughs> at the beginning. Um, and then one of the biggest clues is that usually right after that, it goes into the very beginning intro section where generally um, the dancer is going to start to come out onto the stage uh, at this point. And that usually has a two, four rhythm the most common one is Malfouf. That is the 
one that you're going to hear, uh, I don't know, I would say like 90% of the time. It's quite common that that's the one that they're going to use. But you might also find Ayub um, being used. You might find Falahi being used sometimes. And you could also find something different. This is, this is just based on sort of what is most common. So that's your rhythm that you're going to listen to. Now, we, we know that rhythms are not the only way that we recognize certain styles or moments in songs. So you're also going to be listening to just the flow of the piece. If it's got some nice violins, um, if it's got just a really nice melody that has a call and answer type uh, kind of moment to it. So usually, you know, it'll build up and then that'll repeat but slightly differently and have the little answer side of it. So if you've got something like that going on, you can kind of guess, oh, okay, I think this is an entrance piece if you're not sure. So that's, that's those are gonna be your first clues when you're listening to the very, very beginning of a piece. After that, really the structure can go all over the place. You're generally mm -hmm. gonna find a nice moment where the the rhythm is going to break into a um, maxim or into ability. Um, you might find that it goes into a section where there's some folklore, which is most commonly is Saidi. Um, but depending on what folklore is trending at the time when it was recorded or now is usually what folklore gets thrown in. So there was a big um, there was a, a moment where Khaliji uh, was trending <laughs> to use in your shows. And so that became the folklore section that got thrown into a lot of the entrance pieces. Um, and you'll generally find like a little bit of a taxim somewhere or a moment where it really slows down before it goes back into kind of a repetition of the beginning part again to close it out. So the nice thing about Emergence is that you kind of bookend it with this beginning and end that are very similar. And I love, I love that for my own brain because that helps me kind of wrap yeah. things around. Um, and I, I love things that are bookmarked. <laughs> and um, for your audience, it's great because it rounds everything out for them. And for you as a dancer, it's great because you know what's coming and it rounds everything out for you. Um, but that's also a great way to know if this is indeed an entrance piece, if it kind of bookmarks itself at the end and closes with something either that's the same or very similar to that beginning faster section, you know that you're probably working with emergency. That's, those are some excellent points. And I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I like that kind of roundedness to it. Cause I'm yes. In choreographies, repetition is a thing, but I find like that doing it that way, where there's the bit at the beginning kind of comes back around at the end, but it's after you've done all this other stuff, right. You get to really build on whatever you did at the beginning. Like you get to build on that with all of the other knowledge you've imparted to the audience in the meantime. And so it, it feels like a richer type of repetition to me than just like this one thing repeats throughout the entire song. Yes, and it's so satisfying. It's so satisfying to have a nice, clear beginning and a clear ending on something. Um, and it, it is, it's, it's, it's like you're saying, it's instead of having too much repetition throughout, and that's the nice thing about Emergence is that you get so many kind of blends and different things happening throughout. So even if of course there's some repetition and phrasing, you're going to have a lot of new interesting stuff um, that you can pull out of your dancing for this particular performance, but you get to wrap it all in this nice little bow. And I love that. I really, and I think, and I, I find audiences respond so well to that because an audience also needs that as much as we as a performer kind of need that nice wrap around and, and knowing when things are ending and having those bookmarks, the audience also really appreciates that. And it leaves them with a really good lasting impression of your performance as well. Awesome. So would you say then, are there any rules of thumb as it were for a measure on say, like 
like coming out a specific way? Do you do it with a veil and then drop it? Do you not have a veil? Like, are there any guidelines for a mejance? Like when you're, when you're performing one, what, what are some guidelines that you can work in to make it a little bit easier to build what you got? Yeah, there are some guidelines. And of course, guidelines can vary. Um, and people always have their own opinions on these things too. So this is my opinion on some of the guidelines that I use. Um, one, your your emergence is um, a really great piece to use for some music mapping so that you are kind of sectioning out and piecing out each part um, and looking at what's happening in the music for each of these parts. So of course you can improvise emergence too. So I'm talking about if you already know the emergence and you are choreographing it or performing it as a loose improvised choreography, something like that. So sitting down and kind of piecing it out and knowing the sections is really going to be helpful. Um, emergence goes through so many kind of highs and lows and different energies and feelings. So um, knowing where those are in the piece before you start is really, really helpful. And then that being said, the the very beginning, the intro part where you're actually coming into stage, you can use a veil or not. The, the modern trend now, um, at least for the last little while in Egypt, has been to not use veil. That's also because the dance scene and where people are dancing and how they're dancing is changing there. So that has there's a lot of other stuff that's going on and why that's kind of gone out of fashion a little bit. But um, you can use a veil for this beginning part or you can not. I personally am not a fan of veil and I hate saying that. It's just not, it doesn't get along with me well. I use it sometimes, I want to love it. And I'm, I love when people do beautiful veil work, but it's not 100% my thing. So I usually tend to omit the veil from my entrance pieces, which also means you need to do a little bit extra to fill up that stage though. So you have to, you know, a veil is really nice because it can add a lot of energy and a lot of um, movement to the beginning part. It can catch a lot of attention. So if you do get rid of it, you have to consider how you are going to fill up that part with your energy and your movement without having that prop there um, to maybe help you along. Um, so that's for the beginning part. And usually for the beginning, we want to introduce ourselves to an audience. So if this is the first song of your set, uh, or even if it's the only song in your set, this is your intro because the first time you come out is the first time an audience um, gets to see you. So um, it, it's really important that you take the moment to introduce yourself. And obviously you're not gonna go and shake everyone's hands, <laughs> but you're going to kind of come out onto the stage, nice energy, um, project that energy out, try to fill the space with this nice uh, energy and going around your stage and kind of creating the boundary of your stage, I find is really helpful. It's especially helpful if you're in situations where you are a little bit more in um, a crowd. Let's say you're at a wedding and you're coming onto a dance floor. So you're not on a raised stage and sometimes people do not understand boundaries during performances or you know they're not giving you space. So, when you come onto this dance floor, if you just take a nice round circle around the kind of perimeter of your dance floor or a figure eight or something that really sweeps and brings that movement out uh, and around, it kind of sets your kind of um, using your body language to set your stage in that situation and kind of set your boundaries for this performance. Um, if you're on a stage, it's just a great way to kind of open up the energy, take that energy all around the stage. And again, kind of, even though the stage is, if you're on a raised stage, you know, there's a more defined performance space, it's still a nice way to just kind of feel out your space, show the audience that this is your stage, your performance space. Um, 
and just set that tone for them. And that's a, a, a bit of an introduction too. And of course, you're going to look and smile and all those fun things <laughs> as well. But I like to do that to kind of set the stage first and use that as my introduction. Um, and so you kind of come around and you can do really nice traveling movements, um, really relaxed. Um, and, you know, merchants say sound very fast at the beginning sometimes. And I always tell my students when we're first working with Emergence, if they haven't worked with this type of music before, um, not to panic. So when that rhythm comes on and you know, it's like, doom, tat, tat, doom, tat, tat, doom, tat, tat. You don't have to dance to that. You're going to be just running around the stage frantically. You don't have to dance to that. There's going to be a whole orchestra playing <laughs> and it's usually going to have these nice you know lifts and drops and all these other fun things and suspended notes and so you can play with that you can hit that you don't have to just be dancing on that rhythm take your time always a little bit less is always more you know turn relax it's hard it's easier said than done <laughs> uh, always but, you know, always yeah right it's like i say this now and then you go out to do a show and you're like oh my god ah! <laughs> so so but you try right to just set that tone of um just opening up the energy sending out that nice positive energy out into your your audience and taking up your stage space setting your scene um and just enjoying that that moment and i find that kind of what we we're saying about the entrance and the end being um similar and being a nice bookmark even the way that you start the piece um, with your physical movement is really important and it sets the tone for the rest of the performance. And if you can manage to come out with um, just some nice confidence, some nice grounded energy, some really positive energy, I find that then that carries throughout. And an audience is most likely to remember the beginning and the end of a piece anyways. So I really like to set um, a great focus for those two parts of, uh, of Emergence. So that's one of your kind of, it's not, it's guidelines. I mean, some of that is my personal guidelines, but that's a little bit of your guidelines for the beginning. There, there are so many sections that can happen after that, that it's tough to give exact guidelines because it would depend on your piece of music. But I always like to say, um, have at least one moment where you do something really simple. And I know it sounds strange because you would think people would be like, do something amazing, do a backflip. Ah, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so this music often has a nice moment where, like I said, that beat kind of drops and it's usually into maybe a, it could be a maxim or a melody or something like that. And I love to just do something super simple for these moments, especially if you've just been running around the stage, twirling, lifting the veil, you know, doing arabesques and all these kinds of things. Um, when that moment happens to do something super simple and very classic, whether or not you're doing an, a, a modern, you know, styled piece or a classic piece. And I just find the audiences react really well. And whether or not the audience is sort of, of of the culture and understands it, even those simple moments of just stopping and doing a very you know, simple, relaxed movement for four or eight counts still translates even on a stage or in any other setting because audiences get overwhelmed when we put way too much into our performance and way too many tricks. I always say it's better to have two or three special moments in an entire, you know, six minute song than 20 special moments because then nobody remembers special moment number five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12. They are lost because it's just too much going on. So that's one of my other guidelines that I often use if I'm teaching about emergency or um, choreographing is just to have a really nice moment of something simple a nice eight count of a hip kick or a shimmy or a figure eight and 
just let the movement sink in, just enjoy the, the music for that moment without any extra frills and special things happening. Yeah, I completely agree because like, I think what happens, right, is as dancers, we're around other dancers all the time. And as dancers, we're constantly pushing our bodies to layer this, layer that, hit this part of the music, get complicated, get technical. And like, because we're around other dancers and we're doing it for other dancers, we're not, we're not competing with each other, but we're, we're, that's what the level we're at. That's what we're doing. We're like, oh, I'm going to go take this workshop and learn these more complicated things and practice this more complicated thing. And then we show up and we dance for just an audience and they're, they're not doing that, right? They're just dancing for fun or they're just guests at a restaurant, right? And so like, that's not the same thing that they're there to see necessarily. Those are great things to learn and to put into your dance and to be practicing, but they're out of place when done too much in something like this. And I think as dancers too, we are just we get in our our own heads a lot and think, oh, it's boring. Oh, it's boring. I've done, I've done the same thing over and over and over again. I do this all the time to myself, right? And I'm like performing or I'm choreographing. Oh my God, I've already done one undulation. How could I do two more? Like, oh, people are going to be bored. <laughs> it's like not it's at all, all. Not at all, right? And there's also, of course, there's so many variations on sort of the basic movements that we use, right? That they're like the base of everything. Um, and so, but it's really just in our heads. It's more because we have done them so often. You know, if you've had a longer dance career and you've done them so often, maybe you feel like, oh, everyone's tired of seeing me do an undulation, but other people aren't, most people aren't. And those base movements are the base for a reason. It's because they're like classics. They never get old and people want to see them. It's, it's that familiar, you know, kind of feels like you're coming back home, right, with those types of movements. And, and um, that makes a difference. So I think whether, like I said, whether you style it to be more modern or more classic, because I tend to style my emergences much more modern than a lot of my other dancing, which I just kind of thought of recently and realized was kind of interesting. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I tend to style them a bit more modern, but I always remember that bass and that classic and to throw, to make sure I'm throwing enough of that in that, you know, someone watching this isn't going, what the heck is going on? Um, you know, and they still see the, that reference to that foundational movement and that foundational musicality. I wonder how much of it too has to do with uh, the weird time space bending that happens when you're performing, you know, where like for you, that three minutes, that six minutes feels like an eternity. Whereas for the people watching it, it's, it's three minutes, you know, like, of course, because we are dancing in eternity in that moment, we're like, I've been doing this forever. And like, for reality, you've been doing it for three seconds. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And a, a lot of it has to do with that. And it's so funny because there's this, um, <laughs> it always reminds me of this very particular moment. So, and, and me and Tiffany, me and you have talked before that I, I have some anxiety issues and I, I work through those and I try to work through those. And I'm luckily, when my flight or fight instinct kicks in, I usually fight, get through the performance and then flight after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so this has to do with just the mind bending time yeah. thing. So, um, you know, I did this one performance. Uh, it was for a conference. It was I was on stage and I had planned this whole like beautiful routine and it had all these like elements. I was just and I was a younger dancer and this was my first one of my first like, oh, here's me actually choreographing something and all this stuff. Anyways, I get out on stage. Everything was fine until maybe the last 30 seconds of the song and I like stumbled. I like tried to do a leg lift thing moment and I stumbled a little 
Um, anyways, I got through the performance and went off stage and had like a meltdown and was like, I'm going to quit dance. I'm a terrible person. Everyone saw me stumble this and this and this. And because it felt like the biggest, stum- I felt like I fell on my face on the, on the floor. This is, I got, I got talking about so many people. Oh my God. No. And I got the video back. It's online <laughs> right now. It's old. It is, the, the video quality wasn't great, unfortunately, but it's, you can barely see it. Like it, it was like, a, it was a split second, tiny little thing. And if I don't point it out, I really doubt anybody knew I even stumbled. And it makes me so angry thinking <laughs> back about it, about how upset I was. But I mean, I couldn't control it at the time. Obviously it's when you're in that moment of anxiety or panic attack, it's, there's no reasoning yeah. to something in that moment but you know it's it, but that just reminds me of this where it's like we think sometimes we think so dramatically about these small moments or little things we really work them up in our head um about either oh i stumbled a little or, oh i'm gonna be you know this is boring i've done too much of this and it really for the people watching it it really is not the same thing happening <laughs> not even and not at all i i have um i have a tell anybody who watches any of my dance videos you'll be able to see this now that i've pointed it out um, when I mess up, I, the biggest smile breaks out on my face, like literally <laughs> the most gigantic goofy smile. And to everyone else, it just looks like I'm smiling. Oh, I'm just having fun. I'm smiling. But my husband at this point can tell he's like, so what did you met? I couldn't tell what you messed up, but what did you mess up in that moment? Because the, just like this ridiculously giant smile shows up on my face because I'm laughing at myself. Like at this point I've turned it into laughter. I've managed to defeat the gremlins a little bit and like just turn it into laughter, but nobody else notices those moments. They notice the moment because I act differently. They don't notice the moment because they actually can see what's happening. Like it's invisible (laughs) to other people, these little things that haunt us. Well, and that's a good, I mean, at least yours is like breaking into a smile. That's really, know, that's right? what, nobody can tell. Yeah. They'll just be like, well, she got really happy all of a sudden for that one part instead of, you know, I almost you- tripped. I like almost fell on my face. Nobody <laughs> can tell, but I like, or I went the wrong direction, you know, like I used the wrong arm, something. There's always, there's a, there's always a reason for the big goofy smile in my performances. Yeah, that's funny. You've given it all away now. <laughs> that's all right. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for coming and talking with us about Mejancés. What is, for people who are, okay, I'm going to go find a song. I want to practice a little bit more in this this type of dance. I want to work on this. What would you have them do at home next? Like, what would be something you would have them work on? So I think one of the first things is once they find that piece of music is go through, just sit down and kind of go through and map it out. Um, and I usually, it doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, you just can listen to the entire piece. And whenever you hear an energy shift uh, or a change in sort of the, just the overall feel, um, you're just gonna note that. And you're gonna note if you can, the rhythm, um, what instrumentation is happening at that time. Is it a solo instrument? Is it full orchestra? And you just kind of map it out a little bit. Um, this doesn't work for everybody. This is, um, you know, this is the way my brain likes to do it. But um, so if this if this helps though, this can just be a great, kind of way to sit down and mark it out. Um, and then generally what I end up doing, and you don't even have to write it out, I should say, you know, sometimes you just sit with it and your just brain will naturally kind of start to piece stuff together. So that's another way to do it if you're not into like the writing things down. <laughs> um, and then I usually have then listened to it a few times while I've sit, kind of been sitting down writing. Um, and then I'll just get up and I will just sort of 
dance it and feel it out for the first time and just like improvise and see what comes out. You don't have to dance the entire time. You might stop at certain parts. You might, you know, but um, just get up and kind of move. And if you are going to be choreographing, I do suggest filming yourself so that you just have a reference for what your initial response was with your body to certain parts. I find that really helpful um, because if you can improvise it and really feel and just let yourself feel the music, um, when you go back, yeah, you're gonna have to tweak things and do this and add this and that, but it gives you a really good sense of that natural reaction you had in that moment. And it's a great base to work off of for your choreography or for even future improvisation um, to that same song. So I, then I usually dance it a few times. So that's a great way just to start to feel it out. And then if you wanna choreograph and you really wanna set the choreography, go back, review those videos or go section by section and start to kind of piece it together that way until it becomes that nice kind of full picture. The other thing you have to do is make sure you look at the full picture of the whole song, even though you're going going to go section by section. Um, the, the, the whole picture also matters. So make sure you're also stepping back and looking at it from, from that sense. But the very first thing is just listen to it, kind of mark out the sections uh, very generally, and then just give it a dance and just see what naturally comes out of your body. Fantastic. Melissa, how can people find you on the internet? How can they interact with you? How can they check out the online studio? How can they keep an eye out for, you know, all of your new adventures? Yeah, so I am on Instagram um, at melissa.gamal. Um, my website is www.ya-amar.ca. Um, <laughs> so you can find me there. You can find info about the classes there. Um, those are the best places to kind of keep in touch and keep up with me. I'm also on Facebook. Those are the best ways to kind of keep in touch and follow me and um, Awesome. Well, one last question for you before we let you go. We are trying to bring some positivity to the last 18 months of lockdowns and COVID and all of the things. What would you say is the most positive dance experience you've had throughout the pandemic? Oh, okay. Hold on. I have to think about this. <laughs> I think, oh, I don't know. There's a few. Um, I would say overall, the most positive thing was getting to connect with dancers from all over the world that I wouldn't have been able to connect with otherwise as easily. So in my classes, I was so overwhelmed with the support and that people were joining from like India and Australia and uh, Ecuador. And I was like, oh my God, these people know who I am. Like that was, <laughs> That was really cool. That was really amazing. So connecting, I think, with dancers who I wouldn't usually have been able to connect with uh, within that sort of classroom setting, at least yet, you know, unless I traveled or they traveled to me. That was really that was really nice. And then one of the best, I think one of the most fun things was um, the Golden Era Festival that I got to take part in. And it was another one of those like oh my God, they want me to like, do this thing with all these amazing people and all these amazing dancers. And, and um, so that was really cool because it, uh, I got to combine kind of my love for golden air styling plus my finger symbol work and um, again, connect with just dancers from, from all over the place. Um, so that was really, really cool. Yeah, I've heard great things about that festival like yeah on it was, the whole they, everybody seemed to really enjoy it they did such a good job of making it 
feel like you were actually at a festival. I don't know how they did it. It was incredible. <laughs> the way just, I mean, um, Badria, who's in the, the bundle this year, yes. um, she is, I mean, the absolute definition of delightful. <laughs> she is just and smart and amazing. Um, and they really, they I, to this day, I can't, I know what they did. It's like, I got the emails that made me feel all part of the festival and like I was actually there, but it's like this magical touch that they just had with so many little details that made it really feel like you were at a festival. And I thought that was so cool. To be able to do that from no matter where we were. Yeah. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and all of the work you put into your dance and the dance community is much appreciated. And thank you. Thank you for being here and everybody else. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love episodes like these. Too often in the dance world, we don't take it back to the definitions, to the basics, and explore that part. We get them as flybys in a workshop, something a teacher says as we jump into a choreography, and we often have to piece it together on our own. Taking the time to define terms, find the guidelines, these are essential tasks because from there, from there, the possibilities are endless. You can toss the guidelines, you can keep to them, you can build and layer and research from a place of knowledge that sets you up for success. Melissa's course in this year's bundle, Mejance Magic, is going to be fantastic, utilizing her style, which you've learned more about today, to teach a choreography leading you through the nuances of the music and has you seamlessly executing a stunning entrance piece. Learn more about her course and find all her social links at thebellydancebundle.com slash 74. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the 2021 bundle.